Welcome to the Daily Drive. This show is dedicated to keeping you educated, informed, and most importantly, driven to succeed. We want your feedback, so call us at 1-800-437-5121. Everyone on the Daily Drive Show team hopes you enjoy this show. Here's your host, Ken Noor. Welcome to the Daily Drive. I'm so incredibly glad that you are here today. I hope that you are having a fantastic day, and I hope that you are having the best day of your life. We're going to pick up an interview that we left off yesterday with Karen Brown, the CEO of Velocity Leadership Consulting. So let's pick it up right where we left off. Are you familiar with the Wang laboratories, Wang computers, and their competition with IBM and and what Wang was on top. They were beating IBM in the early days of, of PCs. They had the, the word processors out there. They dominated in the computer space as the PC began to evolve and come out. And yet IBM crushed them because you it, the, the, the founder of Wang had a an emotional problem with wanting to beat IBM so bad, he, it clouded everything, every decision he would make um, because he just couldn't see past this thing. Although he had led this incredibly successful multi-billion dollar company and and led it. And then this one thing just ate him alive and, and, and caused him to make deci- poor decision after poor decision after poor decision. He actually said, you know, looked at it and said, I'll never be in the PC business. It called it completely wrong, you know, because of this emotional connections and these patterns that he had seen. And now he was unable to recognize the changes around him. Absolutely. Yes, that happens all the time. And it, it, it's, um, it happens on a smaller scale than that, right? Because on a daily basis, what I see happening with leaders uh, is that they – they do have an emotional reaction to something, but it's not big. It's not overblown. They just, they make an assumption about what something means, either what someone said or their action. Uh, case in point, I was just working with a client this week who said, well, when my boss goes silent and we're in a one-on-one, and I'm basically reporting in on what's going on and what I've done with things, when she goes silent or she uh, starts defending the opposite point of view, what it means to me is that it's invalidating my work. It's invalidating the value of my work, which that's, that's her map of, you know, the territory, right? That's what we call it in the, in the neurosciences. That's not her boss's map of the territory. We don't know what her boss means when she does those two behaviors until we ask her. And I said, well, you know, she got way down the line with the whole story and everything. And then I said, have you asked her what that means? Well, no, blah, blah, blah. Here's the thing. We, because we apply meaning to things and we make assumptions that then we apply the meaning, it never occurs to us to ask a question well, hey, here's what I heard you say, or here, here's what you didn't say, you've just been silent. What does that mean? 
I'm trying to understand what that means. Instead of, because once we get emotionally tilted about something, which is what you, you talked about earlier with the Wang example, when we get emotionally tilted about something, first of all, we're usually unaware that we are emotionally tilted. And tilted just means that we, yeah, we, we don't, we no longer have a balanced perspective about it, right? We're starting to take something personally. We have an emotional reaction. And leaders are also really good at masking emotional reactions. Oh, well, I, you know, I'm not an emotional person. I'm very logical, right? I, I'm very pragmatic. I'm analytical. I, I don't get emotional about things. Well, sure. We all do. Yeah, so you get emotionally tilted, and then you cannot see or think clearly. Yeah, we have a we have a bias established in our decision making. We may no longer mm -hmm. have an outward emotion of anger or happiness or whatever, but there's a bias to our decision making. Then that emotion says, "No, run from the pain. Uh, this was a bad outcome when I did this kind of thing before. I recognize this pattern, and I am now emotionally biased." or decisionally biased against some path that I perhaps should be taking in this time. And you're, these are the blind spots you're talking about. I shouldn't even see that I should go that direction. I, I, I'm blind to it because I, I can't, I literally can't see it's coming from my subconscious. But that allows us, that subconscious, that, that pattern recognition, those emotional hooks, all of that is what allows our brains to operate on split seconds, make quick decisions, and be right most of the time. It's when it fails us those few times because we're blind to it that are so important, huh? Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, and here, here's, here's how that works. So remember caveman brain. And in, in caveman days, our unconscious mind, and for sake of this interview, unconscious means the same as subconscious. Because now that you've said subconscious and I, I use unconscious, I don't want people to be confused. It's the same for, for sake of this conversation. In science, it is, there are distinctions, but that's not this show. Uh, so if you go back to caveman days, our unconscious mind had to instantaneously decide whether something was friend, food, or foe and get us to take immediate action so that we could survive another day. Well, the problem is that it still operates that way, right? It still instantaneously judges something and then applies our biases, right, from our experience, and then gets us to want to make a very quick decision about something. Oh, well, and, and like you said, uh, gets us running from the fear or from the pain that we think is coming by the action or the reaction or uh, the decision that we're making. And it, it's when we do feel that emotional tilt that that's exactly where we should be doing the opposite of the action that we're actually taking. If we can recognize the emotional tilt, and often what it takes to recognize the emotional tilt is usually an outside party. So I, I always talk about this and, and I, I, I love this topic, by the way, it's just a wonderful topic for me. I have created in my own organization. Uh, I do not surround myself with yes men. 
I want to surround myself and I, I specifically choose leadership. Not every one of my employees falls into this category, but I specifically choose my leadership as people who will argue with me, that will debate with me, that will enter into that conflict with me so that they can check my emotional bias. If I'm wrong, I need to, I need to have that conflict that will resolve that and find that for me. And so I will take an opposite position in an argument just for the sake of doing that to explore and prove that we are going in the right direction and others will do the same with me. But you're saying that often, especially in, in many organizations, they don't have that environment that a, a, a co-leader or one of the leadership team can feel like they can approach the boss and say, you know, they want to be yes men because they're afraid to say no or you're wrong and this is why because they're afraid of their job. That dynamic doesn't exist. Um, And I think that's where you come in. You can say, no, I can be that dynamic. I can be the one. And and the worst case scenario with you is the the egotistical boss who thinks he's always right is just going to terminate the contract and, oh, well, I can't help him. (laughs) Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, you're a highly evolved creature, Ken Knorr. I'll just say that to you. Highly evolved because you want to surround yourself with people who will give you that healthy debate. I mean, you use the C word, which I find fascinating, that conflict. Oh, my we God. We just had an entire week of conflict in my office. I'm going to – an intentional – whole week of conflict we we play a game and we play weekly games with our employees every week um but there's this annual game we play called assassin and we have nerf guns everywhere and the idea of assassin is that we give out a name of somebody in the company and it's a circle full circle so if you kill your target they give you the name that they're holding and then you have to go kill that person and so on and the last man standing wins well people argue over whether or not it was a clean kill because you have to kill them in secret you have to catch them alone and you have to shoot them with your nerf gun and nobody else can see or know that you did it and so there's arguments and conflict and we have an entire hour-long company-wide discussion beforehand uh, that it's going to create conflict. And then we have an entire discussion afterwards, which we just finished up before I got on the, the, the air with you here, um, to discuss conflict resolution and how conflict resolution and conflict is a positive. Mm, excellent, excellent, excellent. Bravo. Now, to your point, there's, there's studies that have been done that reveal 38% Better decisions are made when there is healthy debate among the team. 38%. Let's just call it 40, right? That's really big. That's impactful, right? But here's the thing. So in the scenario that you painted a little bit earlier about, you know, the boss that surrounds themselves with yes people and then, uh, you know, those yes people are afraid, you know, to, to tell the truth to the boss, right? So there's two things happening there. First of all, the boss doesn't want to look imperfect or weak. That's just the plain and simple truth. And this is another part of our hardwiring in our unconscious mind, which is to look good and be right. And when you throw on top of that the ego of being a very successful leader, that is even more pronounced. So the last thing you want to do is invite someone to tell you the so-called truth about you because 
then what are you going to do? You're either going to have to acknowledge it and say, yeah, that is true, or you've got to mask it to show that, nope, I'm perfect, I'm right, I'm great, I have all the answers, et cetera, et cetera. Look good and be right. Now, for the employee or the team member, they first of all, they fear reprisal, but also they probably have this bias against conflict, right? Yeah. I mean, in, in most of our upbringings, in most of our childhood, childhoods, we had a negative experience when we came in contact with conflict, right? All it takes is one or two negative yeah. experiences. Yeah. You know, maybe we felt embarrassed. Maybe we felt ashamed. I Argue mean, with things your that, teacher. Oh, Argue absolutely. Argue with your teacher in things elementary that, school. You're going to get shut down immediately. Early on, you're taught conflict is bad. Right. Comply, comply, comply. Right. And it creates that emotional hook, which makes it even bigger, right? So then your fear of conflict or that, that bias toward, you know, backing away from conflict at all costs uh, gets employed and deployed just in a split second. You just won't even go there. But you're right. In, in the safe, safety of a coaching client relationship, where you're working with a behavioral expert and will, uh, I mean, th again, this is why our name is Velocity, because we get to it really fast. So we'll say, okay, well, where did that originate? When's the first time you remember running that pattern? And uh, the, it, it's amazing the silence that happens and how quickly they reveal the answer. And no one's ever asked them this before, and they've never thought of it before. They've never connected up these ideas, right? Because they're not used to walking around, hey, no one is, unless you've done some work in this field or, or you're highly evolved like you are. No one is used to accessing their unconscious mind and their patterns like that and then connecting to what's going on today. This is a deeply, deeply interesting conversation for me, but my listeners expect that I'm going to pivot into that personal thing, and I don't have any time. We have very little time left, but I'm going to have to pull off of this and go into this other area because it's just, I I could talk about this for another hour and a half with you. I really could. We could do I two could or three shows about this. I could talk about this all day. This. <laughs> I, and I bet you do. Uh, you do it for a living. I think it's so cool. I mean, seriously, I think it's so cool. And when we're done, I'm going to send you links to old shows that I've done on this subject matter. And they were monologues, not interviews, just straight out. Let me talk about this. And I'd love your feedback. So I love conflict. I'd love your feedback. Was I right? Was I wrong? Was I missing a point here? Should I, you know, and I'd, I'd love to re-record those shows with more knowledge and and better because uh, yeah you you understand and and i appreciate the ego stroke on saying i'm evolved but no i i, I really believe that i'm constantly evolving i gotta get better i'm still not there yet and i need people around me to continue to point that out i think that's what makes me successful but i was also going to say i can totally see how through emotional hooks of positive reinforcement too not just negative people run from negative there's no doubt about that but if this person who started their business has been making all the right decisions and and has surrounded himself with yes people who followed it all and he's gotten there and he's gotten there it's self-reinforced that i shouldn't change and that nothing's wrong and then you hit the spot and it happens 
happens in every business where you hit this spot and the only way you're going to get past it is to realize that your idea may not be the best idea. You know, that there may be other things here. Surround your people with those strengths that, that, that complement your weaknesses and admit that you have weaknesses and listen to those other strengths. Uh, that's just my opinion, but I, I, that's what I think. But I've got to pivot. I, I want to ask you a couple of rapid-fire questions about that's going to dig on in on you and understand you and your life as an entrepreneur because you're obviously also a, a person operating their own business. So in one word, you only get one. Characterize your life as an entrepreneur. Expansive. Expansive. I like it. Married or single? Committed. Committed. I like that answer. So dinner and a movie out or dinner at home and Netflix? Dinner and a movie out. My first job was in a movie theater. I love. Was theater. it really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, all right. Go back in time for a minute. Uh, what was the first movie on the first day? Do you remember that? Was it, is it that uh, ingrained in your mind? Oh, no. my goodness. Yes. Starfighter Warrior. Oh, my gosh. Starfighter I can't believe Warrior. I remember that. Look at that. Star mm -hmm. Wars or Star Trek? Both. Original Star Trek, though. Original Star Trek. Ah, okay. Not the new stuff. Then the, the original. I got you. Uh, you're a new addition to the crayon box. What color would you be and why? I would be a bright color. I feel like I'm a vibrant person. Vibrant meaning... I know myself really well. Uh, I look at patterns all the time. Uh, and I, I feel like I illuminate those for everyone I come in contact with. And, and aren't my friends and, and boyfriends so lucky? I do this all the time with them. <laughs> Thank goodness they like it. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't be around anymore. <laughs> yeah. My son is big time into what is it? They're called ideograms, that, that whole numbering system. And it's really cool to listen to him talk about personality types and what drives people and all of that. It's, it's, it's a very interesting hobby. Oh, do you mean I guess Enneagram? Enneagrams, that's it, yeah. Enneagram, yeah, Enneagram, it is. Yeah, I'm saying it wrong, yeah. Yeah, yeah although I don't think it's as complicated as they make it in the Enneagram. I mean, you know, taking this from a person that has seen every behavioral assessment under the sun, right, because we have to work with them all, uh, you know, in the work that we do. And I, I, I highly respect the Enneagram, but I don't think it's that, quite that complicated. I gotcha. And I don't think it's maybe quite that structured, but I, I could be wrong. I think there are Agreed. maybe other... Other things that are looser about it, but I can see it. So I can see and appreciate it for what it is. What are your hobbies? Hobbies? Well, I, I'm an ultra athlete, so I uh, adore exercise, swimming, bike, biking, and running, and weightlifting. Uh, I also recently took up organic gardening, which I never thought I would do. But I really love digging in the dirt and producing my own food. And I, I'm a clean, healthy eater, so I love it for that reason too. Uh, I also love to cook. I love movies, which we've already touched on, whether at home or at the theater. Uh, I have a big library of movies. That's what I do to unwind at the end of the day. I watch probably half a movie every day, be it documentary or, yeah, or nonfiction movie. And I love true stories that encompass transformation. My favorite. Wow, very specific. That's kind of cool. True stories that, that encompass trans. A transformation. I, I like it. What makes you happy? Simplicity, learning, growth. Growth is probably the big one. 
And it doesn't have to be gargantuan growth. You know, it can be in incremental growth. Honestly, just learning and growth, I think, that are the two main things for me. I am happiest when at the end of the day or throughout the day, uh, I'm growing, I'm helping others grow, uh, I'm seeing things that I didn't see before, uh, and I'm learning along the way. I just think that's the best, the best life ever. You are driven, I can tell, and and I hear it when you talk about growth, that idea of, and it doesn't have to be massive, just I want to move forward, right? I don't want to be stationary. I don't want to be doing the same thing. I want to just move forward, and that means growing, even a little bit at a time. I totally resonate with what you're saying there. What What sacrifices have you had to make to be a successful entrepreneur to run your business to do what you do sacrifices wow uh i don't tend to look at them that way although the thing that did pop up when you said that was i chose really early on to sacrifice being mediocre i, like I never that. never wanted to even touch on mediocrity and and that is a sacrifice because it, it it's a lot. It's a big job. You sacrifice relaxation to some degree because you never let off the gas. No, 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 no. On the contrary, no. I I know how to relax, and I'm not so driven that uh, I like I like being in balance, right? So, and I know that's an overused word, and a lot of people have given up on that. A lot of people who I coach have given up on that. But it's, it's, it is absolutely achievable. Uh, again, it's all about patterns and paying attention and finding, you know, where, where does this pattern come from? What, what am I doing, you know, driving myself into the ground? Because there was a time when I did do that. Uh, and now, uh, I'm, I'm able to be in balance with things like sleep and, and really shutting down the engines. You know, that's why I said I watch half a movie a night and I don't look at my phone. Uh, I don't work. You know, I have hard stop times and hard stop start times for work that I really adhere to. I don't violate those. And, you know, it, yeah, and, and I'll just say to somebody, hey, if you text me at 8 o'clock at night, you're not going to get a response until the next day until I pick up my phone again. Okay, you are feeding right into lessons, and there's a lot of these questions have motives. Um, you're feeding right into lessons that I teach, which is, uh, you know, you have to have an intentional rest. You have to stop. It, you you can't continue to go. You may be in a lifelong driven, and I think you are a driven person, but you may be in a lifelong driven improvement, constant go, make become better, achieve. But the only way to get there is to have intentional rest because you can't you can't do it nonstop. You also said you don't view it as sacrifice and and I would agree with you and I'll bet there's another word behind it and that word's passion. Because when we're doing something that we're passionate about and that we love to do, it doesn't feel like we're sacrificing anything to do that. If I'm if I'm doing something I'm passionate about, I'm not, what, what is a sacrifice? There's no sacrifice. I'm doing what I love. How can that be a sacrifice? Everything else is about what I'm doing, what I, I'm passionate about. Would you agree? Completely agree. And I would add one more word at the end of it, which is mission. Mission. Love it. Mm -hmm. Love yeah. it. When I'm passionate about the mission, yeah, absolutely. Watch out. 
I'm the most driven person on the planet, but that doesn't mean that I can't unplug and rest because right. I also know that we do our best thinking when we allow our brains to rest and rejuvenate. Mm-hmm. When yes, we just ma'am. wear it out and keep going, 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 like the Energizer Bunny, we we have then sacrificed our best thinking. So you know what I'm going to throw at you. You said you like organic gardening, and you never thought you would. I am so I. You know we've talked about our businesses. I love to do woodworking. Okay, there's something about the tactile nature of it. There's something about starting with a piece of nothing and turning it into something. I have no timeline. I'm not on a deadline to get it done other than an arbitrary one I set for myself. It starts off as nothing and it comes out as something. It's challenging to me because either I do I do woodworking with no instructions, so I build desks and furniture and stuff like that. I don't start with a set of plans. I set with a start of something in my mind or maybe a picture. Uh, and I and I create something, and and that for me I find to be incredibly relaxing. I get to think, I exercise my brain, but that tactile nature of doing something with my hands is a way for me to relax and shut my mind down from all that other stuff that I am driven on the other five days of the week. Is that how gardening is for you? Absolutely. Yeah, you did a great job of describing it. Yeah. Yeah, it. Uh, I I always think it it uses my brain in a different way. Right. Like it, uh, maybe more the creative side. Although I would never have said, "Oh, gardening is creative," right? Woodworking, I think, is creative. But yeah, you're right. Uh, gardening is creative. I have to figure out a lot of different things. You know, what am I going to do, and when, and how am I going to carry that out, and why am I doing it that way? What if I do it this other way? And what's the outcome going to be? And what if I want a different outcome? And there's success and failure. And there, there is something about using your hands. I mean, for you, it's it's woodworking and the tactile nature of it. For me, it it's actually digging in the dirt. And I mean, talking about caveman, like a lot of times, that's how I feel when I'm out there. You know, hands are all grubby. I've got to you know clean underneath my fingernails after I'm done. But I just dig it. I mean, in the summer when it gets nice here, I'm in Denver. I just cannot wait, you know, at, when I shut down my day because I'll, I'll shut down earlier in the summer. I cannot wait to get outside and get my hand in the dirt and, you know, work out there for a couple of hours. Oh, it's cathartic. And, I, and you know, I didn't even ask this question. When did you start doing this? Mm, over 20 years ago. So I was an internal business coach and an executive leader simultaneously and discovered that there were places that we couldn't get beyond when I would coach team members internally. And what I later found out through my Ironman journey and the stuff that's in my book and uh, other places is that that's the unconscious mind and the power of the unconscious mind and and actually the, the percentages of conscious thoughts versus unconscious thoughts and, you know, the, uh, the immense power of our unconscious mind versus the conscious. I mean, it's it's only 0.8% of everything we need, we do in a day is conscious, and the other 90 what 99.2% is all unconscious. So when I learned that, and then just jumped into the neurosciences, you know, headlong because I knew that's where 
the, the, the keys were, uh, you know, then just studied and researched and, you know, uh, got credentials and did, did everything that I could to learn as much as possible because I wanted to be an expert at this. So when did you formally start or take the entrepreneurial leap, leave employment and start Velocity? That was in 2005. Wow. So you, you have celebrated your 10 years and more. You've been doing, you've been on your own now for over a decade. Yes. And to be totally real with everybody, uh, I was the person who never wanted to be an entrepreneur. I had a, uh, I was with a gentleman for a while who was a big entrepreneur and he, he loved it. And he kept saying, you know, oh, being an entrepreneur is where it's at, you know, owning your own business and following your own schedule and, you know, unlimited upside. And I, I just would look at him in dismay and think, are you high? I, I am in Colorado. But, yeah, I, and I'd say, no, I, I want the security of, you know, a corporate gig and a paycheck and all of that. And, and it wasn't until I had the shittiest boss in the world which I used to call a pathetic excuse for a human being. Yeah. Uh, and he did me a huge favor by being that way, honestly. Uh, it wasn't until that person that I wanted to become my own boss. I thought, you know what, I've, I've had enough of this, like this corporate world, political, everyone else, you know, I have to jump to everyone else's uh, commands. No, I, I'm done with that. Uh, and it, it also came from, Wanting to make a difference with individuals, like that, that really came over me in a strong way. And I didn't expect that either. That was a surprise. But I, I thought at the end of the day, what am I really doing? Like, who am I making a difference with here? All I'm doing is lining corporate pockets. And I'm not really making a difference with anybody. That's what really drove me uh, to finally become an entrepreneur, because at the time, all of my professional friends thought I had absolutely lost my mind. What are you, nuts? You're going to leave this great corporate executive gig where you're, you know, the boss, and you're going to go and start at the bottom and start your own business where you're not insured that you're going to get paid? Yeah. <laughs> and probably make less money to begin with, for sure. I mean, that's what happens. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So now you're reminiscing and you're going back to that moment of that jump. You're that, that, and I, and it's a, it's a terrifying thing. Do you agree? It's terrifying to make that jump. You know, it actually wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, I, I thought it was more terrifying to stay on the path that I was uh, because I, 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 I literally, I literally felt sick every day, like going to work, like realizing that I wasn't serving anybody. I didn't feel like I was getting any further, especially not as a human being. I wasn't really doing anything great for humanity or, you know, and I'm not a, a big philosophical person, but just felt like, uh, what does this all really matter what I do every day at this company? It doesn't. Okay, so maybe the decision wasn't hard, but there had to be moments that crossed your mind. And we're all human. We can think positively all we want, but there had to be decisions that crossed your mind and shortly after you did it. Really? What am I doing? That should I, did I do the right thing? Unlimiting your beliefs. Seven keys to greater success in your personal and professional life. Available on Amazon, I assume. Everywhere books are sold. 
Everywhere books are sold. Love that phrase. And if uh, yeah. one of our uh, listeners wanted to get a hold of you, Karen, well, how, what's the easiest and best way to get a hold of you? Easiest, best way to get a hold of me is uh, my website, which is velocityleadershipconsulting.com. And I've created a landing page, especially for our interview today. So if you put a forward slash behind that and the word greater, which means greater success, uh, you will be able to connect with me. Um, and there's a whole bunch of wonderful things that I have for listeners on that landing page. So Velocity Leadership Consulting dot com forward slash greater and you can get uh, a lot of really wonderful things that will not only open up discovery of your behavioral blind spots but also the solutions uh, to healing them and finding greater success karen it was an absolute pleasure having you on today thank you so much for coming out that was a fantastic interview with Karen. I hope that you learned a lot from her and our conversation together over the last couple of days. If you didn't have a chance to listen to the first interview, you need to go to dailydriveshow.com and check out that interview with Karen Brown, the first part of this two-part series. I hope that you got a lot from it because I know I sure did. And we're probably going to set up a second time to talk again. That was really really cool. And if you can't tell, I love that subject matter. I hope you get your daily drive and come back and listen to us again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. And thanks to our sponsor, that company. Why is that company the white label digital marketing provider for some of the biggest agencies in the industry? Because we get results, we retain clients, and we deliver profitability. Visit www.thatcompany.com to find out how we can make your agency more profitable. If you want to give us feedback, call us now at 1-800-437-5121 or drop by dailydriveshow.com. Make sure you add us to your Alexa daily briefing skill. Don't forget that you can listen to us live every day on WQBQ at 7.30 a.m. The show wouldn't be possible without the Daily Drive Show team, executive producer Jake Perrick, web guru Taj Royer, and the audio man with the plan. Shoddy. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow.